4: Should we deny pro-abortion Catholic politicians Holy Communion? It's a conversation we've had before on this show, but uh, you might remember from, I think it was last week or something, 60 Catholic House Dems challenge the U.S. bishops on communion. And here's why they're wrong. That was a headline out of the National Catholic Register, written by Father Robert Mateg S.J. He is the host of a program called Catholic Current that airs all across the uh, Station of the Cross radio network. Praise be to God, one of our partners here on Catholic Drive Time. And today we're going to have a conversation with Father Robert Mateig about his response to these Catholic bishops. He did a line-by-line uh, analysis of their statement basically trying to justify why they should deny church teaching, deny canon law, deny reason and natural law in order to promote the evil, the intrinsic evil, by the way, of abortion and abortion rights. So Father Robert Mateg is going to be our guest today. Uh, some interesting headlines out today. There's going to be a What's Concerning Us section. Trump launches a class action lawsuit against big tech giants Golly gee whiz, you were president. Why didn't that happen during your term? I'm just curious. A uh, Texas judge denies U.S. citizens due process rights and then instead sends them before the Islamic Sharia tribunal. Huh. That's in America, by the way. Uh, kids as young as fifth graders, fifth graders are to receive condoms from Chicago public schools. Hmm. San Francisco gay men chorus brags, quote, we are coming for your children, unquote, in a new Zoom song. We'll cover that as well. And then, of course, there's another headline here. It says, Pope Francis will never be the same after his colon operation, according to a Vatican insider. So a lot to get to today on the program. Good morning to you, Janelle.
5: Good morning, Joe.
4: Praise be to God. Anything else in the news that would be kind of scary?
5: Um, yes. You, like you said, Trump is suing big tech. Um, Hungary is, um, dealing with a lot of uh, backlash against um, their campaign against homosexuality and LGBTQ agenda. Yeah, the pressure
4: from the oh, EU yes. has got to be enormous. We should get definitely. somebody on for that,
5: definitely. And um, lots of other news as well. Lots of lots of lawsuits um, against big tech, apparently, and um, lots of um, yeah, it's it's a crazy world out there.
4: Speaking of crazy, Adrian Fonseca is here on The Ones and Twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. Yeah, praise be to God. Uh, well, we're going to have a great show today. Father Matek, somebody we tried to get on uh, for the last week or so, and we uh, finally got him here. But yesterday, you and I interviewed Michael Knowles. That went well.
3: Yes, that was great. His book, uh, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, excellent book. I loved it. And uh, my favorite part of his book is the glossary. He has a glossary, which is essentially, if you know what um, – What Urban Dictionary is online is basically that, but explaining leftist words that make no sense. He uh, gives you a dictionary definition of those words, and it's pretty funny. And when are we going to play that content? Uh, probably sometime next week, uh, trying to find a good time to slot it in. But if you are a CDT insider, you can get that interview, uh, very soon, probably either today, today or tomorrow. Yeah. Praise be to God. Uh, we're also going to be interviewing general, uh, Jerry Boynkin, uh,
4: later today. That's going to be coming up on Catholic drive time. Looking forward to that. He's a retired general from the army. He helped to found uh the Delta force. Uh, combat veteran, and he's going to have a lot to say about the status of our nation's security and military in these difficult times. So looking forward to that conversation as well. All right, so as I said, Father uh, Robert Matag, S.J., uh, the host of Catholic Current, is going to be on our program today in this hour. It's coming up at 35 past the hour, so stick around for that. Plus, what's concerning us, that breaking news, we're going to have Saint of the Day, Gospel the Day, and a lot more, so we're looking forward to being a part of this show with you, our dear listener. So let's pray for your intentions, whatever's on your heart, whatever your needs are. We're going to ask Our Lady, Queen of Heaven and Earth to intercede for you and for our own intentions. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen.
5: Looking at the headlines today, Trump sues big tech announcing a lawsuit against Facebook, Google and Twitter. Hungry finds gay distributor, Foundation for Rainbow Families pushes homosexuality onto kids. Reported by Crooks, man detained after climbing to top of Los Angeles church. A man who was naked except for shorts and one sock climbed to the top of a soaring church tower in East Los Angeles Thursday night set a fire at the base of a cross, then apparently tried to evade surrounding police by leaping from roof to roof of nearby buildings before he was taken into custody. It was unclear what prompted the man to climb up scaffolding at St. Mary's, a Roman Catholic church in Boyle Heights. A witness told KCBS-TV that the man threw his clothes off at the top of the church. News helicopters showed the man as he climbed up scaffolding to the top of the bell tower, which is more than 130 feet tall, and apparently tried to push over the cross at its apex before setting a fire at its base. The fire did not spread. The man later climbed onto the main roof of the church, made a leaf, leaped to a nearby roof, and then climbed, continued to jump to other buildings. At one point he clung upside down to an electric cable with his hands and feet, and later used a utility or communication cable to scale the side of the building onto the roof. Police surrounded the area and tracked the man for no more than an hour, and he made his way into a building and was finally taken into custody outside a residential building sometime after 10pm. From the Epic Times, Google sued by 36 states and DC over alleged antitrust violations. Google on Thursday was hit by a lawsuit from a group of state attorneys over alleged violation of antitrust laws by its Android app store. Attorney generals for 36 states and the District of Columbia sued the big tech company in a 144-page complaint filed in a Northern California federal court. The group alleges that Google's Play Store for Android apps violates antitrust laws. The complaint centers on the control Google is able to exert on its Play Store, allowing it to collect commissions of up to 30% on digital transactions within apps installed on Android-powered smartphones. Those devices represent more than 80% of the worldwide smartphone market. Led by Utah, North Carolina, Tennessee, New York, Arizona, Colorado, Iowa, and Nebraska, it marks the fourth major antitrust lawsuit filed by U.S. government agencies across the co- against the company since October 2020. Other lawsuits filed against Google com- include a complaint filed by a bipartisan coalition of states and one filed by the Department of Justice. It echoes allegations made against the company by mobile game maker Epic Games in August 2020. That case is awaiting trial. The complaint contends that Google has deployed various tactics and set up anti-competitive barriers to ensure it distributes more than 90% of the apps on Android devices, a market share that attorney generals argue represents an illegal monopoly. It also alleges Google has been abusing that power to reap billions of dollars in profit at the expense of customers, who wind up paying higher prices to subsidize the commissions and the makers of apps who have less money and incentive to innovate. Also from the Epic Times, 16-year-old surrenders himself for Times Square shooting the injured Marine. A 16-year-old surrendered himself to police on Thursday after a shooting in New York Times Square in which a stray bullet injured a 20-year-old Marine, authorities said, according to local reports. The teen, accompanied by his mother, presented to the Midtown South Precinct Station House, where he turned himself in. He was charged with attempted murder as well as assault, reckless endangerment, and criminal possession of a weapon. According to the outlet, the teen has three prior felony arrests, with one being a gun possession charge. The NYPD will not be identifying the suspect because of his age. I'm Janelle a, and those are your headline news for Thursday, July 8th. God love you.
3: The saint of the day is Saint Killian. He was born in 640 in Mulag, Country ca- Cavan in Ireland. He was born to Irish nobility and became a monk at the Monastery of High. Uh, he may have been an abbot, but we're not sure. He is traveling. Uh, he became a traveling bishop throughout Ireland and a missionary with 11 companions through Gaul to Würzburg, Germany, whose people he found to be pagan, and whom he resolved to convert. He became a pilgrim to Rome and Italy in 686, where he received papal authority for his mission. Pope Conan ordained him as a missionary bishop. Killian then returned to Würzburg in 687 with St. Coleman and St. Totnan. With them, he evangelized East Franconia and East Thurnigia areas in modern Bavaria, Germany, and converted Duke Gotsbert and a large part of Gotsbert's subjects. After Duke Gotsbert converted, Killian explained that the Duke's marriage with Gilliana, his brother's widow, was unlawful. He secured the Duke's promise to leave her, which made an enemy of pagan Gilliana. She plotted against the saint and caused the murder of him. Coleman and Tottenham, and the burial of their corpses became sacred vessels, vestments, and holy writings at the crime scene. When the Duke returned to her, Gileana denied knowing the location of the missionaries. The actual murderer went mad, confessed his crime, and died miserably. Gileana herself eventually died insane. Killian's good work did not long survive him. When St. Boniface arrived in Thurnigia, Thirin- he found evidence of his predecessor's influence. The relics of the martyrs after cures had brought fame to their burial place were transferred to the Church of Our Lady in 743 by St. Burkhard, First Bishop of Würzburg. After Burkhard obtained Pope Zachary's permission for the public veneration, they were solemnly transferred, probably on the 8th of July 752, to the newly finished Cathedral of the Savior. Later, they were buried in St. Killian's vault in the new cathedral erected on the spot where tradition says they were martyred. His skull is still preserved and is, to be, is bejeweled and is processed on his feast day. Killian's copy of the New Testament was preserved in Würzburg Cathedral until 1803 and since then has been in the university library. He was beheaded on the 8th of July, 689. St. Killian, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today
4: comes from Matthew chapter 10, verses 7-15. through 15. Jesus said to his apostles, As you go, make this proclamation. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out demons. Without cost you have received, without cost you are to give. Do not take gold or silver or copper for your belts, no sack for the journey or a second tunic or sandals or walking stick. The laborer deserves his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, look for a worthy person in it and stay there until you leave. As you enter a house, wish it peace. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. If not, let your peace return to you. Whoever will not receive you or listen to your words, Go outside that house or town and shake the dust from your feet. Amen. I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. The gospel of the
6: Lord.
4: Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We could spend an hour just talking about that last verse. It's just so jam-packed and and pretty amazing, and you should you should probably do that. But uh, thanks to Verboom.com forward slash GRN for generously sponsoring our Gospel Reflections. Verboom, that's V-E-R-B-U-M, Verboom.com forward slash GRN. So I looked at Haydock's commentary mostly today. I felt it was very, very good, and Hadock does a great job of also quoting the early church fathers. So what are they preaching? What is different from them and The prophets of the Old Testament, for instance, St. Chrysostom said they are not sent to announce sensible things like Moses and the prophets, but something wholly new and before unheard of. In fact, St. Thomas Aquinas would say they are sent to announce the good things of eternity. Let that sink in. There's something powerful. And notice the authority and the power Jesus gives to them, even to the point where he says, if they don't listen to you shake the dust off where do we go to that to those whom the lord has given power and authority to do many miracles yes but more than miracles saint gregory the great would say that works might give force and efficacy to their words that as their doctrine was new so their works might be new and such as were before unheard of something new this way comes we are right back what's concerning us is coming up next it is here where you'll find the best
2: marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with His divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to His sacred heart today.
6: I need your mercy. I need a Savior.
4: Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Father Robert Mateg S.J. is going to be our guest. He is the host of the radio program, The Catholic Current, across the Station of the Cross Radio Network, one of our partners here at the Catholic Drive Time. We're very grateful for the Station of the Cross, as well as the Guadalupe Radio Network. And Father Robert Mateg is going to come up. Uh, at again, 35 past the hour to discuss the, uh, the statement put out by the Catholics in the House, the Democrats at least, the 60 of them put out a statement on why they should you know, be able to support abortion and abortion, quote, rights, unquote, and be totally in contradiction to Catholic Church teaching. So we're going to have a conversation about that with Father Robert Mateg. Uh, there are several stories that I would like to at least comment on in the headlines today. Here's one from Breitbart. Vatican insider, Pope Francis will never be the same after colon operation. That's uh, a very concerning story. But there, I think there might be some contradictory reports out today. I want to say I saw Brie Dale, one of our partners and friends of the show. Uh, she hosts a show on the Guadalupe Radio Network every Monday at 8 a.m., Um, where she actually retweeted the Vatican statement. But uh, here's what this article says over at Breitbart. It says, in his sobering blog post, Luis Barilla declares that journalists and commentators are not doing the Pope any favors when they downplay the seriousness of his illness. There is a very significant detail that many underestimate, ignore, eh, or manipulate he says, he writes, namely that the disease that has affected Pope Francis is severe and degenerative and could also be chronic. He says the Holy Father will certainly return to the Vatican to resume his path in the footsteps of Peter, but he will never be the same again, but he insists. All the rhetoric about Jorge Mario Borgoglio, Superman, damages his image and charisma. In his post- But he notes several details of the Pope's recent surgical operation to treat his uh, diverticulitis that give cause of concern. He says, as cited by numerous authoritative press sources, on Sunday evening, the Pope underwent general anesthesia and was administered powerful sedatives. But he observes after which he was subjected to um, a laparoscopy surgery, almost a sort of Scouring of the lower part of the abdominal cavity with small, very sophisticated probes, and immediately afterwards to an open or open sky surgical intervention to allow hands on work with full visibility. Sounds pretty, that alone sounds pretty serious, actually. Um, At any rate, uh, there is some concern here, and I think the article that I saw Brie Dale post on Twitter earlier today, uh, suggested that he ran a high fever last night, but however, he is, is uh, his results or his uh, tests are coming back um, okay, he's able to walk on his own. So uh, we don't quick, know the extent of that um, situation.
3: Real quick, Joe, she just retweeted a uh, an update saying that the Vatican press office needed, needed to make a correction. They said the word high was included, but needed to be taken out, okay. that he was not running a high fever. Well, so. praise be to God for that. Um, well, at any
4: rate uh, so some interesting information there hopefully uh, uh, Pope Francis will uh, will recover just fine we don't wish him any, any ill of course uh, pray for his health uh, let's move on to this f- uh, other story that's gaining steam today from this is I'm quoting the one from the national file it's been posted on many other uh, locations the blaze has it I, I'm sure Breitbart has it too there's a bunch of places that have it but here's the headline it says San Francisco gay men's chorus brags. We're coming for your children in a new Zoom song. Now, the reason why you bring this up is, I mean, I feel like I need my duh button. Like, duh, we know this. I gave a talk at an event a week before last where I said to the audience, they're coming for your kids, and I gave them a series of examples of how that's the case. Planned Parenthood, uh, transgender story hours, for instance, education in the schools. Well, I mean, whether these guys meant this tongue-in-cheek or not, Listen to some of the the words. I'm going to read to you some of the words of the song that these men men sang on a video uh, that they thought it was funny, but just listen to these words. Uh, Quote, We'll convert your children. Happens bit by bit, quietly and subtly, and you will barely notice it. We'll convert your children, reaching one and all. There's really no escaping it, because even grandma likes RuPaul. And the words, and the world's getting kinder. Gen Z's gayer than grinder. We're coming for them. We're coming for your children. We're coming for them. We're coming for them. We're coming for your children. For your children. The gay agenda is coming home. The gay agenda is here. Unquote. Let that sink in. Again, whether they meant it to be just funny, hilarious, or they thought it was a big joke, um,
3: they might be laughing, but are they not coming for your children? Mm-hmm. Pretty sure they are. Pretty sure they are. Yeah, I, this reminds me of what was happening in Louisiana whenever they were having the drag queen story hours, and the TFP, along with a lot of the citizens there, uh, went to the court and to try to get them, you know, kicked out. Got them out town hall, and the drag queen went up on stage. There's a video of it. You can actually go and see in the TFP website uh, if you go and find that. He says. This is the grooming of the next generation. Like He explicitly says it. It's out in the open now. They're not even trying to hide it. Winning hearts and minds
4: of the next generation. Now, this article points out that this was a video on YouTube, by the way. I think they used Zoom, but they put it on YouTube. This article states that the uh, response to the YouTube video was resoundingly negative, with 114 likes to 7,200 dislikes at the time of writing, with the number of dislikes rapidly rising. The video was ultimately changed to private after the massive backlash. It says, quote, imagine singing about perver- uh, perverting children and thinking you're the good guys, unquote, says
3: one commenter. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. The problem is that the, this is a tactic of, of the left. What they do is they try to put out the most radical thing possible, and they push that in front of your face. And so whenever start, things start being less radical, you're like, oh, OK, well, it's not that bad. So they deliberately will take huge chunks – out of uh, the uh, civil discourse in order that whenever people, whenever they take a step backwards, they have now advanced. So that's the problem. So we can't, be, uh, we can't just be like, oh, okay, good. They're, uh, they got a lot of dislikes. A lot of people disliked it. We need to be aware that they are coming for our children and that this is not going to stop. Just because they were shamed this time, it's gonna, they're going to keep pushing forward. The, the progressivists are making the long march through the institutions. You know, and it reminds me a little bit of the gospel today from Matthew chapter 10. Uh, that last verse mm. is
4: so like, God, it's so telling, right? Uh, Whoever will not receive or receive you or listen to your words, go outside that house or take, uh, or, t- or town, and shake the dust from your feet. It says, I- Amen, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Now, uh, St. Chrysostom said, or it may be to show that the dust which they had gathered in their journey would be a testimony against them in the day of judgment because they had refused to receive them. But notice the comparison to Sodom and G- Gomorrah. Uh, the, Sodom and Gomorrah. Go back and read it. The perversion had come to its penultimate level of perverting and and disgusting sexual practice that God had to bring down fire and brimstone because the alter There was no other alternative. That's the comparison in this gospel, and it's it should be mind. Uh, it should be uh, alarming. It should be uh, very alarming to us that we are seeing within our society the normalization of this type of perversion and behavior. It should be very concerning, not only for the men who involved in this making of this video, let's pray for their conversion, uh, but for all those very innocent people, young men and women, as kids who will experience this and then feel like this is normal or okay, and it certainly isn't. Let's go on to another story here. Um, This was out of the blaze, very alarming story to me. It says, kids as young as fifth grade to receive condoms from Chicago oh public goodness. schools. They are being hypersexualized. The article goes on to say, on the quote, news and why it matters, unquote, this week, Blaze TV host Sarah Gonzalez uh, discussed the new policy passed by the Chicago Public School Board of Education that will require all schools to provide condoms for students as young as 5th grade or approximately 10 years old. 10 That's
3: straight years up old. pedophilia. That's a- straight up pedophilia.
4: <laughs> According to a Chicago Sun-Times report the news, the new C- CPS policy states that all schools teaching 5th grade and up, which includes all but a dozen of the more than 600 CPS schools, must provide condoms for students when they reopen in August. Uh, Jacko argued that children are being hypersexualized. He pointed out that the Chicago public school system also teaches comprehensive sex education starting as young as kindergarten. "Quote: Listen to their wording. We need to have children make uh, make healthy sexual decisions." Unquote. Uh, it goes on to say in Chicago, five year olds are taught masturbation. Um, so now goodness. fifth graders need condoms. Why? Because they are being hypersexualized. They're now engaging in activity and conversation way prematurely. There's not a child on the planet in fifth grade that can make healthy sexual decisions, unquote. Or um, any sexual decisions. Yeah, uh, according to one of the hosts of the program. This is very disturbing. And this is part of the reason why, and I I would hope to see, you know, we've been seeing a lot of uh, people across our country stand up to the school boards and uh, to uh, fight back against some of the stuff that's going on, critical race theory being among them, but this type of stuff needs to be fought back against. We've conceded way too much ground in the public education system for sure. But don't think your private education systems are off the hook. Mm-hmm. Don't believe that for one second that there aren't Catholic schools around our country who are also embracing such crazy ideas. And parents must be involved. The primary educator of children is not the church, it is mom and dad. It is mom and dad. And we have to be involved. Um, this is, it's insane. You know, I've been accused many times of being a, uh, a helicopter parent or somebody who keeps my kids in a Catholic bubble. You can say all you wish, but I can guarantee on my deathbed, what will I, will I will not regret is preventing my kids from being uh, infiltrated in their minds and their spirit with such toxic uh, understanding of human sexuality. I will never regret on my deathbed protecting their innocence for as long as they're able to uh, grow and mature so that they're able to handle this information in a proper way. I won't regret that, and you can't make me. And uh, unfortunately, we're seeing this on a grand scale, not just in poor schools, in rich uh, you know, Ivy League schools as well. We've seen many headlines to that, to that regard as well. So uh, lots of headlines in the news today. Uh, unfortunately, there's a story out of Haiti. Uh, the president there was assassinated. And I wanted to cover that story a little bit. We may have to get a guest on. Um, I see that David L. Gray, our friend of the program, is also covering the story. You may try to get him on at some point to discuss that and get some information on what was uh, behind the assassination attempt of the president in in Haiti, what was going on there. Of course, we saw uh, a story out today that they've shifted their efforts in, in Florida, with that uh, high-rise that collapsed from rescue to just simply recovery. It seems like we've passed the point where they might find anybody still alive. A very tragic story continuing to unfold out of Florida. So much in the headlines to pray about, to do uh, fasting and penance for as well, so let's add that to our prayer list today. We're going to go to a break. We're going to come back. We're going to have breaking news and stories with Janelle Lay. And of course Father Richard, Father Robert Mateg is going to be our guest. Pro-abortion Catholics. That's what we're talking about.
0: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say that the church needs to keep up with the times? G.K. Chesterton says that all this talk about keeping up with the times has been uttered hundreds of times before. To be up to date, he says, is a paltry ambition, except in an almanac. The church certainly does not need to imitate the secular world. In fact, what does the word secular mean? It does not mean worldly, it does not even mean irreligious. To be secular simply means to be of the age, that is, of the age which is passing, and in the case of anyone trying to keep up with the times, the age that is already past. So what the word secular really means is dated. The church's truth is never out of date, because it is eternal.
3: That's realestateforlife.org. God love you.
5: Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janelle Lay, and here are your headline news. Lots of headlines today. Death toll in Surfside condo collapse reaches 54. Four suspected killers of Haitian president fatally shot by police. Black Lives Matter in Utah draws backlash for a post calling American flag symbol of hatred. Wildlife officials ask anglers to avoid Colorado River following historic drought, heat, and fire. China finds 22 Internet giants in anti-monopoly cases. Singapore says Chinese-made COVID-19 vaccine recipients won't count as vaccinated. Gas prices rose 40% this year. More increases expected throughout summer. IRS reverses course, granting tax exemption to Texas Religious Group. More than 500 Chinese STEM students denied a visa to the U.S. Abortion activists create children's abortion book. Largest Teachers Union quietly removes pro-critical race theory agenda items from website. Gates Foundation announces Melinda Gates will resign if she and Bill Gates cannot work together. Support grows for Born Alive Abortion Bill in Australia. And from Breitbart, cartel smugglers toss infants and children into Texas Border River. Border Patrol agents and Coast Guard crews rescued migrants across the Rio Grande Valley sector after human smugglers put them in jeopardy. In multiple incidents, smugglers moved women, children and even infants into the river that separates Texas and Mexico. One woman was saved after an alleged sexual assault attempt. Reported by The Hill, wife of assassinated Haitian president taken to Florida for treatment. Haitian First Lady Martine, whose husband, President Jovenel, was assassinated on Wednesday by a group of gunmen, was airlifted to South Florida Wednesday afternoon to receive treatment for gunshot wounds sustained during the attack at the couple's home. The Miami Herald reported that Martine, 47, landed in Miami in the afternoon and was transported to Jackson Health System's Ryder Trauma Center. The Haitian ambassador to the United States said that the First Lady was in stable but critical condition. The ambulance carrying her reportedly arrived at the hospital with protection from Miami-Dade police officers. Haitian police later on Wednesday fatally shot four people who were suspected of assassinating the 53-year-old president. Three police officers were reportedly held hostage by the suspected gunman, but were eventually freed late Wednesday. Tropical Storm Elsa kills one in Florida, possible tornado injures, 10 in Georgia Navy Base. Tropical Storm Elsa has killed at least one person in Florida and injured 10 others at Navy Base due to possible tornado in Georgia on Wednesday. In Jacksonville, Florida, one person died after Elsa caused a tree to to crash down and hit two cars. At the Kings Bay Naval Submarine Base, located in the southeast corner of Georgia, recreational vehicles were hit by a possible tornado, injuring 10 people. A spokesperson for the base told the news outlet that the people were taken to the hospital. Elsa also damaged some of the buildings on the base. Also from the Hill, Biden to issue executive order to curtail non-complete causes. President Biden plans to sign an executive order to crack down on non-complete agreements used by employees to prevent their employees from moving to rival firms, the White House announced Wednesday. The president's order would encourage the Federal Trade Commission to ban or limit non-complete agreements. In an effort to limit the number of jobs in the U.S. that require a license, Biden's forthcoming order will also encourage the FTC to ban unnecessary occupational licensing restrictions which would impede workers' abilities to move and gain more in wages. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a good Thursday.
4: Praise be to God in all things. A couple of weeks ago, uh, 60 Catholic House members released a statement of principles in response to the U.S. bishop's recent meeting discussing Eucharistic coherence and whether politicians explicitly and persistently advocating abortions have uh, precluded themselves from fittingly receiving Holy Communion. And Father Robert Matej has given a pretty extensive response to this statement, line by line, in fact, on his radio program, The Catholic Current, airing across the Station of the Cross, also heard on the GRN Mondays and Tuesdays as well. And he's on with us to discuss this. Good morning to you, Father Mateig. Yep. Good morning. Glad to be working with you today. Yeah, Thanks pra- be to God. Praise be to God. It's good to have you on. So can, maybe you can set up the scenario here, as uh, as I just described. But the the, the these sixty Catholic House uh, members, who are they, and what are they trying to say?
2: Well, this was in response to the, the bishops' meeting in June. They they meet twice a year in June and November. They were meeting in, in via Zoom because of the COVID interruption. And one of the things that they wanted to talk about, or at least consider the possibility of talking about talking about, was enforcing Canon 9.15 that says, public persistent sinners uh... would cause scandal by receiving holy communion when they are acting in a way persistently that is an obvious defying of the teaching of the church now if your sin is private canon 916 applies no one talks about that either Hmm. but canon 915 is about public persistent sinners so if you've been advocating for so-called abortion rights for decades and you won't even support the born alive protection act to give medical care to children who had the temerity to survive their own abortion then you're obviously in opposition uh, with Catholic teaching, and you've separated yourself from communion, in which case, stating that you are in communion with the Church by receiving Holy Communion is is just a lie. So in this statement of principles, they tried to steal the bishop's thunder to say, hey, we're as Catholic as anybody. And number one, uh, separation of Church and State, so shut up. Uh, conscience, so shut up. Uh, and then some vague references to the Eucharist being medicine. So shut up, and we're gonna do what we're gonna do. So shut up. So that's the very short version
4: of it. <laughs> I like that the cliff notes. That's great. Uh, but okay, so yeah. let me let me uh, play yeah. let me play devil's advocate for one moment here, Father Mateig. Um, sure. Pew Research, a couple of years ago, a year or so ago, put out a new report. Uh, as much as sixty nine percent of Catholics either do not know do not understand or simply reject what the Church teaches on Holy Communion. Golly gee whiz, maybe they're not so wrong. I mean, they're just as Catholic as everybody else. What say you, Father Robert Montague?
2: Uh, Well, the short answer is no, they're wrong. You don't vote on Revelation. You don't take a vote. About whether or not murder is wrong, whether adultery is wrong you don 't take a vote about whether uh, abortion is wrong uh, the The teaching of the church isn 't something that a committee made up it 's what Christ revealed through sacred scripture and sacred tradition to the one church he founded. You're either on board with that or you're not. What I find strikingly disingenuous is we're acting like this is 1974 and it's a new thing to have Catholic politicians supporting so-called abortion rights. Uh, You know, 2004, the letter from Cardinal Ratzinger, uh, uh, John Paul wrote about this in 1995, the Code of Canon Law 1983, the Code of Canon Law 1917, all the fathers and doctors of the Church, uh, St. Paul, this is really clear. This is not a head-scratcher. If you receive Holy Communion in a state of, of mortal sin, you bring condemnation upon yourself. And yes, the Eucharist is medicine for sick souls, but... If, Sick souls are still alive, right? You are absent sanctifying grace when you're in mortal sin. You don't give medicine to a corpse, right? The the only really great reset a Catholic can meaningfully talk about is going to sacramental confession. Go to sacramental confession, then get right with God, then bring your sick soul to the medicine of the Eucharist. That's the perennial teaching of the Church. It's not subject to a poll by anybody.
4: Father Robert Mateg is our guest. He is the host of the Catholic Current radio program airing across the Station of the Cross, talking about this uh, statement put out by the House Dems, 60 House Dems, all Catholic. Who are basically trying to say that they have the right to do whatever they please, no matter what the church teaches? And uh, and the, I liked the the blow by blow, the line by line uh, response you had on, on your radio show. I listened to was very very good. Um, you know, and I think one of the points that you sort of really hammered in that conversation. Uh, going through the statement was just their lack of common sense at the very least. Like, no sense of natural law, no sense of common sense. I mean, they they keep contradicting themselves completely on on the human dignity. They'll say one thing out of this side of their mouth, and then, you know, another thing out of the uh, other side of their mouth. How did you, when you were going through the statement, was that one of the big takes you took away?
2: Right. I've seen this very many times, you know, I've taught uh, medical ethics for many years, I'm in the National Ethics Committee of the Catholic Medical Association, I've read every form of nonsense there is uh, (laughs) on on these issues. So we're going to rhapsodize and wax eloquent about the poor and the vulnerable, unless you're a child in the womb who's unwanted, then we owe you absolutely nothing, you're not a member of the human family, and and we can dismember you. How does that work? And, and, you know, in in fairness to the people who signed this, they almost certainly didn't write it. Uh, And I doubt that any of them could actually explain what it means on its face, even if you accepted it without criticism. I've invited all of the signatories, and I've invited whoever the authors are, to talk with me in a very respectful way on the Catholic current. I haven't received any response as of this date.
4: Do you have any suspicions on who you think wrote this?
2: Someone who knew what they were doing. Right. This this was not done by an undergraduate. This isn't someone who was just cut and pasting articles from Wikipedia. this was this covered all the bases in a way that sounds like the voice of sweet reason, unless you unless you know better. And uh, I, I happen to know better. But I I couldn't begin to
4: speculate. It, it could have been anyone. Okay, well, we're going to go to a break. We're going to come back. Father Robert Matek is our guest. He is the host of Catholic Current Radio Program. And uh, we're going to continue this conversation. I want to talk about the bishops uh, specifically. Uh, what, what have they voted on? What is their plan? Why haven't they done anything to date? Some of those questions are going to come up after this very short break. We're talking about these 60 Catholic house dims who challenged the U.S. bishops on receiving communion with Father Robert Matek. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere.
6: There is one thing in our lives over which we have complete control, forgiveness.
5: One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey.
6: Jesus gave us the power to forgive when he poured out the Holy Spirit on us on the day of his resurrection. But we must decide to forgive, acknowledging the wrong done and seek to set it right. Life according to the rule of St. Benedict can remind us that forgiveness does not mean being friends with the one I forgive. To forgive demands simply that I unbind that person from any claims of vengeance and that I ask God to do the same. In that way, two people are set free, the one who forgives and the one who is forgiven.
5: For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict. Visit OneMinuteMonk.com OneMinuteMonk.com
6: We have all been hurt or wronged by someone. Are we ready to make the decision to forgive that person? Or at least to ask God to make us ready one day?
4: Be to Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean, so good to be on with you. Father Robert McTague is our guest, We're talking about the uh, the 60 Catholic House Dems that challenge the U.S. bishops on uh, whether or not they can even have a conversation about denying them communion, I suppose. Um, Father McTague, welcome back to the program. I want to talk about the bishops in particular. Um, there is – we've 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 now seen p- publicly this division amongst the U.S. bishops on this issue, even the Vatican trying to pressure the conversation to say, you know, you guys shouldn't be discussing this. Um, for clarity, the bishops only were voting on whether or not they should form a document of talking points to have a conversation – Nothing definitive was on the agenda whatsoever, and there was tremendous blowback to include this statement from the 60 Catholic House Dems. One of my questions to you, Father Mateg, is um, why did the bishops wait to get to this point before they waded into the murky waters? If they were so pastoral, why weren't they working on this individually in their own diocese for the last several decades? Father Matej, what say you?
2: Uh, well, you know, some of them may have uh, been in conversation. Some of them may have been taking proper action. I think back to when uh, Catherine Sibelius was head of Health and Human Services in the Obama administration. And the bishop there, I think, was in Kansas. I don't remember the name exactly. Uh, but he said, hey, Canon 915, the Holy Communion for you and, and until you publicly repent of your very public sin props to him. You know, very often on the Catholic Current, I speak of McTague's axiom and McTague's corollary. McTague's axiom states, most institutions would rather die than admit that anyone ever made a mistake. So if they took a very bold statement now, someone might raise the question, so where you guys have been since 1973? No one wants to have that conversation. And then McTagg's corollary states, most people haven't matured past the age of 15 and are still desperate to be invited to sit at the cool kids table, the high school cafeteria. You don't get invited to the Colbert show for enforcing Canon 915, and who knows, maybe Bill Mar will arch an eyebrow and say something snarky, and who can live with that? So that that's the really short version. Some some bishops, God bless them, have been doing the right thing. Uh, not a whole lot. They're they're uh, afraid. They're they're confused. I, I I don't know. But but the letter of the law is clear. Scripture is clear. Sacred tradition is clear. The scandal is clear, and the danger to souls. Is clear. So what what they're trying to do now is you can't have a one-size-fits-all uniform policy, even though I think some people would like to hide behind that shield, because the bishop is the bishop of his diocese. And the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops is just a consultative body. It doesn't have any juridical status. So I think they're looking at a teaching document. My understanding, it goes to the doctrine uh, subcommittee, uh, and that they might have something this summer. So they're going to have a teaching document about what they call Eucharistic coherence, and there's some arm wrestling as to whether or not Canon 915 and pro-abortion politicians needs to be part of it. What I would like to see is we got to start talking about confession. If we don't start talking about confession, nearly anything we say about the Eucharist is going to be inadequate.
3: You know, Father, I love how you talked about confession because, you know, we see the confession lines are very short and the lines to receive the Eucharist are very long. And most parishes have uh, reconciliation for an hour a week or something like that. And, uh, and that's, that's very important to emphasize because, it, it, like you said in the, uh, the first half of the interview, so many people are saying, "Oh, you know, the Eucharist is not a weapon. You're weaponizing the Eucharist. Uh, it's not a. Uh, it's not something for the perfect. It's for the. It's for the sinner. But yes, I mean, we're all sinners, but not all of us are in mortal sin. And I think that's a point that needs to be emphasized. Could you speak on that, Father?
2: Well, yes. I mean, I, I, I've said on the show, and, and this is a common phrase: you don't give medicine to a corpse. When you uh, are in a state of mortal sin, there is no sanctifying grace in your soul, you, you've you removed yourself from the charity of God. You, you're dead. You're dead. And eternity will not begin well for you. And the only objectively certain remedy for that is sacramental confession. And remember, sacramental confession is not like going to the court to get your records expunged. It's part of the conversion process. And so we we have the slate wiped clean. We agree to uproot the roots of sin in our soul to replace it with goodness. And then, broken and wounded, we can go and receive the the Eucharist as as the medicine and food for the soul that it is. Remember, Holy Communion is not your liturgical participation trophy. And and the purpose of going to Mass is to unite yourself with, with the one sacrifice of Christ on Calvary. It's not to receive communion. And when people say, what's the point of going to Mass if you're not going to get your, you're not going to receive communion? That shows yet another
3: it's another illustration of a catastrophic failure in catechesis. Amen, amen. And, uh, you know, there's a common objection that I hear constantly, especially from some famous uh, Twitter priests and a lot of uh, other people. They'll say something along the lines of, you know, we can't refuse communion to pro-abortion politicians because if we do that, then we have to refuse communion to all sinners, everyone who they're aware of their sin. Uh, how do you respond to that re- argument?
2: No, no, because no. people say, "Well, you know, wh- what about all those people who are contracepting, assuming they even know that contraception is, is a very grave evil?" Well, that's a private sin, and Canon Nine Sixteen uh, covers that. And you know, they say, "Well, what about capital punishment? What about politicians who support capital punishment, which is in disfavor these days uh, among the hierarchy?" But uh, capital punishment is a prudential judgment. War is a prudential judgment. Abortion is not. Abortion is the only sin that incurs an automatic excommunication. Not even murder does that. It's not one sin among many. It's the ultimate offense against God and man. It is a, a, a unique category.
4: We're talking with Father Robert Matej. He is the host of Catholic Current. Um, we have about five minutes left in our conversation with you, Father. One of the things that's always really puzzled me when I when we talk about uh, ardent ardent uh, obstinate, persistent uh, deniers of Catholic Church teaching within the Church, is why do they remain Catholic? Yeah, well, there's a tweet out this just today from Bishop Thomas Tobin from um, Providence, Rhode Island. He says this, he says, I got a letter recently from a lifelong Catholic announcing their departure from the Catholic Church because of, of our, uh, quote, our attitude, the Church's attitude about women and priestly celibacy. And he goes on to say that this person has become Episcopalian. They left the church. And then he says, while it's regrettable, it's okay. He says, better a happy Protestant than an unfaithful Catholic. Now, I bring this up to say, I don't understand. These 60 house stems who say, we are pro-abortion, we are you know pro-gay, or whatever they are, pro-for, that's contrary to Catholic Church teaching. The abortion issue alone, intrinsically evil, as you just stated. Why do they remain Catholic? If the church is saying that they're completely at odds with church teaching, why bother remaining Catholic at all? What what do you think about that?
2: Well, the the Catholic Church is is still the team to beat. Right. You know, I don't want to sound disrespectful, but I'm pretty sure that almost no one in the United States gets up every morning and looks at his phone to see what the Archbishop of Canterbury said today, <laughs> or what the head of the Southern Baptist <laughs> Convention said today, or what the prophet of the Mormons had to say, All right? The Catholic Church is the only one with, with the history, the heritage, and the spiritual resources, and, and in a certain sense, you know, certainly since the French Revolution, institutionally, we're the last man standing, right so we're 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 the team to beat and uh and you know the chinese are doing an amazing opposition and grinding the church down from the outside and secularism and uh secularized catholics are trying to grind away from from the the inside and, and of course they're they're doomed to fail Uh, Christ is triumphant, and he will secure the honor of of his bride, the Church. And Christ the King gives us the honor of fighting at his side to defend the, the dignity and reputation of his holy bride, the Church. We need to get busy doing that.
4: But they could have everything they want if they just became Episcopalian, for instance. They can could, they could have everything. There's not a single issue that they would, these 60 Catholic uh, Democrats uh, embrace that they couldn't have under the Episcopalian banner. Not that I want them to leave the church, but at the same time, uh, right, it right. just still boggles my mind that they insist on keeping the title Catholic while trying to, uh, you know, ardently deny church teaching.
2: And now, Grant, I, I don't, I've never met these people, these particular people uh, but I would say this. There has to be, at a spiritual level, the attraction of getting the church to bend to your will. Mm. I mean, think of it if the bishops collectively said, oh, my gosh, what the heck we were thinking. We need to cut and paste that St. That Paul uh, out of the New Testament, mm. and probably Leviticus, too. Right? <laughs> so, and, and, and then then you can do your victory lap. You can spike the ball in the end zone. There is no satisfaction and you don't say I won if you go to, uh, uh, a self-identified Christian body that
3: gives you everything that you want for free. Like I said, we're, we're we're still the team to beat. Absolutely. I, You know, I was thinking of when you were saying that, I'm thinking of Justin Trudeau and him demanding that Pope Francis come to Canada to apologize. That is the most arrogant and absurd thing I've ever heard in my life. And I'm just thinking, I took a, a ecclesiology course a couple years ago, and in the course we talked about how popes would literally just like, excommunicate Kings and force them to walk on their knees to the Vatican to uh, get repentance, uh, to go to confession directly to the Pope. And now we have politicians, we have prime ministers, we have people demanding to the Pope that he come and apologize to them. Uh, that's, it's quite absurd. Uh, your comments, you have about 60 seconds, uh, uh, you know,
2: God bless Canada. And I, I, I just can't take him seriously. That, 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 that's all I can say. What? Yeah, he's, he's a, he's, he's a thoroughly ignorant and embarrassing man. I, that, that's all I can say about that. The Pope is not one secular leader um, among others. You know, he, he's not the head of a fraternity that has, that has misbehaved. Wow. And, and you, you just don't, you just don't talk to the occupant of the chair of Peter that way.
4: Wow. There you go, uh, Father Robert Mateg from Catholic Current. Thank you very much for your time today. We're very grateful for your insight. I encourage everyone to check out your show where you respond line by line to the statement for the 60 Catholic House Democrats. God bless you. God love you, Father. Have a great day
2: thanks very much. God bless you. Good work.
4: All right. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. We're going to go to a break and be back for the second hour. If you can join us in the second hour, we would surely love to have you. We're going to have the game show, three more chances at the prize, uh, plus more breaking news and stories and a lot more Catholic Drive Time is coming up. You can go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT to hang out with us and comment. God love you. Thank you for joining
2: us on Your Catholic Drive Time
5: I have a friend who says that baptism is a symbolic act and that it has nothing to do with salvation. How can I answer him?
7: Simple. Show him what the Bible says. Nowhere does the Bible say that baptism is merely a symbolic act. That passage simply does not exist. But the Bible does say this about baptism. In Ezekiel 36, verses 25 to 27, it says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will put my spirit within you. Here in the Old Testament, we have a foreshadowing of New Testament baptism. In the New Testament, Acts 2, verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. No symbolic language here. The book of Acts says, Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Ezekiel says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from your uncleannesses. The book of Acts says, And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel says, And I will put my Spirit within you. Do you begin to see how God in the old covenant was preparing us for what he gives us in the new covenant? Acts 22:16. 16. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. First Corinthians 12, verse 13. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. What body was that? The body of Christ. First Peter 3.21 baptism which corresponds to this now saves you scripture simply does not support the non-catholic notion that baptism is symbolic scripture does however very clearly and directly support the catholic teaching that baptism saves us that baptism makes us members of the body of christ that baptism washes away sin and that through baptism we receive the holy spirit just as the church teaches a beacon of truth in a troubled world This is the Guadalupe
1: Radio Network, radio for your soul.
4: Just had a great conversation with Father Robert Mittag from Catholic Current in his response to those 60 Catholic House Democrats and their statement about the U.S. bishops deciding to have a conversation around uh, what the Church teaches on Holy Eucharist and Communion. And uh, he went line by line, actually, to that statement in his radio program And so we wanted to have a sort of a summary conversation of all that. And it was a good conversation. We're going to be posting that to our YouTube channel and elsewhere. You can always catch the podcast of our show as well on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. By the way, today is the day I send out the email to the CDT insiders. And so that's everybody who's subscribed to our email list. And I'm also going to be launching a a, a text message notification list. So for anybody who wants to be notified of our content, uh, you are able to sign up to that service. And that way I can send you a little notification on your cell phone so that you know when we're going live or when we have content that's being published. But the CDT Insider email list is a list where I send unique content just to them uh, every week, Thursdays. It comes out Thursday afternoon. And this week, we, we just recorded a great interview with uh, Michael Knowles from Daily Wire on his brand new book, Speechless. We may put that in the email list today. Uh, if not, there'll be another piece of unique content. We're going to be conversating this after the show today, recording a great interview with uh, General Jerry Boykin, who uh, the guy who founded Delta Force. Uh, we're going to have a conversation around national security, uh, the trends in American military, their readiness, some of the concerns on um, being able to live our Christian life in public square. That's going to be a conversation we're going to have with General Boykin later today. So that could also be on the the CDT Insider's email. We'll have to see. But if you want to join that CDT Insider email list, just go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, and you can scroll down and sign up. The good news is if you sign up to our email list, One of the things we're going to give you right away is a talk by uh, Father Bill Casey of the Fathers of Mercy on the state of the union, the state of the church. Where are we today? Where are we headed? And what must we know and do? Uh, It's a powerful 30-minute presentation And we'll send that to you right away into your email inbox after you sign up to the CDT Insiders list at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Good morning to you, Janelle.
5: Good morning, Joe.
4: Any good news to share today?
5: Yes, we have good news. We have good news. No, Um,
4: I think you're lying. What? There's no good news.
5: Oh, well. uh,
4: is there I mean, yes,
5: there is good, news.
4: There oh is good news, praise be to God, praise be to God, uh Baratus is good news they 've yes. sponsored our game show that 's coming up
5: yes i i I would recommend them ten out of ten. Their 10 art is wonderful wow. um it's it's a little it has a little bit of a modern take on it, but it still has very i guess traditional roots in it, which okay. I appreciate praise be to God, um, so they will be sponsoring our game show they 're underwriting our game show, and they 're providing this week 's prize, which is a graphic t-shirt as well as a couple stickers from their store line so i'm very excited
4: okay um, well speaking of a
3: attention trad uh, adrian fonseca is here on the ones and twos good morning to you adrian yeah it's good to be here and you know i used to i actually follow uh baratus on instagram and i have to say i actually really like their art it is kind of a modern take on it but uh, considering it's it's not he's not making like icons or anything there uh so i think it's perfectly okay and really cool we should get an iconographer on now that we're thinking about it
4: be
5: i've been of, looking at them yesterday
3: so i think i'm on that
4: to, do, to talk about iconography and and uh, those that would make iconography that'd be kind I of I know interesting. just the guy you know just the guy mm-hmm. well, praise be to god we gotta book him uh we're gonna have a great hour this hour and we're grateful to you dear listener for being a part of it so we have breaking news and stories all good news in this hour we try to We try to keep it upbeat and positive in our second hour of our program, plus we have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, a little reflection, and then, of course, our game show. And if you would like to play, possibly win the prize from Baratous, well, all you need to do is be our first caller, and you can jump on the line early if you want to and just hold... Uh, You can find the phone number on our website, grnonline.com forward slash c-d-t, and just scroll down. You'll be able to see where I put the phone number, the rules of the game, how it all works, plus sponsor links, all of it's there at grnonline.com forward slash c-d-t. Let's pray for your intentions, and let's get started. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the good news with Janelle LA.
5: Sacred Heart of Jesus statue outside North Carolina Parish restored after vandalism. Mother Cabrini's order celebrates 75th anniversary of her canonization. Reported by the National Catholic Register, Pope grants July 25th plenary indulgence and tells Catholics, honor your grandparents that day. Pope Francis has established the World Day of Grandparents and the Elderly to be celebrated every year on the 4th Sunday of July. With Catholics present in almost every country, the the commemoration should be 11, making fitting appreciation for grandparents rise across the globe. The first observance will take place July 25th this year. In his message in preparation for the day, Pope Francis said he was moved to establish it not just because of the importance of grandparents and the elderly, a theme on which he has often spoken, but particularly because of the neglect and isolation so many grandparents and seniors experienced as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, when travel restrictions, nursing home policies, and fear for their safety prevented their being visited and embraced by their loved ones. To incentivize the day, he has permitted the granting of a plenary indulgence under the usual conditions for all those who participate in liturgical celebrations observing it, those who unite themselves spiritually to those celebrations if they are unable to leave their homes, and those who visit in person or virtually their grandparents or elderly brothers and sisters in need. The choice of the fourth Sunday of July is transparently to connect it as closely as possible to the July 25th 26 Feasts of Saints Joachim and Anne The parents of Mary and the grandparents of Jesus This link to Jesus' family tree and salvation history suggests that everyone's genealogy and personal prehistory is part of the providential plan of God Pope Francis in his message was summoning grandparents to recognize and be renewed in their sacred calling to be guardians of the connection between their family's history and salvation history and to pass on to younger generations a clear awareness of their place in the bigger picture. Speaking as an elder himself, he asked grandparents and seniors, What's our vocation today at our age? It is to preserve our roots, to pass on the faith to the young, and to care for the little ones. He called grandparents and seniors to be a living memory. Keeping memory alive and sharing it with others, he stated, is a true mission for every elderly person. Memory, he added, is the foundation of life, and grandparents have a key role in establishing their grandkids securely, not only in firm familial roots and stories, but also in the history of the faith. The young normally look toward the present and the future and are prone to neglect the past. Grandparents are prophets who bring the wisdom and experience of the past to guide the now and the not yet. The vocation of grandparents, he added, is linked to their vocation as apostles. Just like the Lord never goes into retirement, he stated, There is no retirement age from the work of proclaiming the gospel and handing down good traditions to your grandchildren. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm Janelle Lay. God love you and have a good Thursday.
3: The saint of the day is St. Killian. He was born in 640 in Mulag, Country Cavan, in Ireland, and was born to the Irish nobility. He became a monk at the monastery of High and may have been an abbot, though we're not sure. He was traveling he became a traveling bishop throughout Ireland and missionary with eleven companions through Gaul to Wurzburg, Germany, whose people he found to be pagan and whom he resolved to convert. He pilgrimaged to Rome and Italy in 686, where he received a papal authority for his mission. Pope Conan ordained him as a missionary bishop. Kilian then returned to Würzburg in 687 with St. Coleman and St. Tottenham. With them, he evangelized East Franconia and East Thuringia areas in modern Bavaria, Germany. He converted Duke Gotzbert in a large part of Gotzbert's subjects. After Duke Gotzbert's conversion, Kilian explained that the Duke's marriage with Gileana, his brother's widow, was unlawful. He secured the Duke's promise to leave her, which made an enemy of the pagan Gileana. She plotted against the saint and caused the murder of him, Coleman and Tottenham and the burial of their corpses, sacred vessels, vestments, and holy writings at the crime scene. When the dukes returned to her, Gileana denied knowing the location of the missionaries. The actual murderer went mad, confessed his crime, and died miserably. Gileana herself eventually died insane. He was martyred by beheading on the 8th of July, 689, St. Kilian, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The
4: gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 10 verses 7 through 15. Jesus said to his apostles, As you go, make this proclamation. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and drive out demons. Without cost you have received, without cost you are to give. Do not take gold or silver or copper for your belts, no sack for the journey or a second tunic or sandals or walking stick. The laborer deserves his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, look for a worthy person in it and stay there until you leave. As you enter a house, wish it peace. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. If not, let your peace return to you. Whoever will not receive you or listen to your words, go outside that house or town and shake the dust from your feet. Amen, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on that day of judgment than for that town. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I found this very interesting, looking at Hadock's commentary. Again, thank you to verboom.com forward slash GRN for giving us the tools to dive deep into the gospel, getting to the early church fathers and some incredible commentary. Uh, But Hadock was quoting St. Jerome to talk about why would the Lord not allow them to take money with them? right? You remember that? You know, don't take gold, silver, or even copper. Uh, why not? Why would he do that? So, uh, Saint, uh, this is St. Thomas quoting and St. Jerome both were commenting and observing this. He says, quote, um, our Savior probably wished to repress the avarice of Judas, who as he kept the common purse might be tempted to increase their stock by receiving rewards for their labors. Oh, wow. Let that sink in. I'd never thought about that before. Uh, that our Lord, because he's God, the second person of the Trinity, of course, of course he knew the heart of Judas. Of course he knew the temptations of Judas as well. I find that very fascinating. And uh, let us meditate today on, on why there might be Judas's among us. Why would the Lord allow Judas's wolves and sheep clothing to be amongst us when they could do so much harm? God and his divine providence, he
3: does have a reason. Adrian, what did you find? Yes. Uh, Cornelis Lapide makes a great point here. And whenever he talks about uh, why did our Lord say this here, but in other gospels, He allows people to carry some of these things. He allows them to have money, shoes, staff, tunics, etc. So is this a temporary law or a a universal law? Uh, St. Hilary, St. Jerome, St. Ambrose, and St. Austin all agreed that it was a perpetual law, and so did St. Francis as he uh, created the order in that way. Uh, but Cornelius Lapidus says, no, actually, the it was a temporary law because this was binding whenever they went to go preach to the Jews. When they preached to the Gentiles, they had a slightly different roles. Why? Because whenever they're preaching to the Jews, according to Cornelius Lapidus, they were more likely or they were less likely to be uh, killed. They didn't need to defend themselves. They weren't in a land where there were plenty of bandits. There was like law. Whereas when they went to the Gentiles are going to the four corners of the world uh, where they needed to defend themselves, they needed to protect themselves. Uh, that's why our Lord says go and buy a sword, etc. It's very important to recognize. The other thing I wanted to point out really quickly is the reference to Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, Sodom and Gomorrah was horrible. It was a terrible place. And the day of judgment is going to be worse for us than that. And think of today. Our Lady Fatima said, more people go to hell because of sins of the flesh than any other sin. That was in 1917. In 2021, we have kids that are looking at pornography by the age of five years old nowadays. Uh, we have people promoting pedophilia and contraception in the school system. And it's going to be much worse for us. If if God doesn't punish us, then uh, they owe, he owes uh, Sodom and Gomorrah an apology.
4: Yes, amen. All right, praise be to God. Thank you, verboom.com forward slash GRN for your sponsorship of our program, giving us the tool to dive deep into the gospel reflection. We're going to go to a break. We're going to come back and play Fear and Trembling. You could be the contestant. All you need to do is be our first caller. Call right now at 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424, three questions, three opportunities to win this week's prize. We'll be right back to play the game, don't go anywhere.
1: Can we be happy without God? Atheists say yes, we Christians say yes, but only to a certain extent. What's our reason? There are some natural human desires that can be satisfied without living for God – the desire for sensory pleasure, success, and loving relationships. There are certain desires, however, that can't be satisfied without God. For example, we don't just desire some love, we desire infinite love – love without limit. This is manifest when we get frustrated with imperfect manifestations of it. The same is true for knowledge, justice, and beauty. Since God alone is infinite in these perfections, only He can satisfy our desires for them. Therefore, to borrow from St. Augustine, without God, our hearts would be forever restless. And my friends, a restless heart is an unhappy heart. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com.
4: Joe McClain! Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and do not share this with anybody. But uh, we like to do a few things during the game show segment. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for questions that are teachable moments because we like to learn some things and learning things is always good. And uh, We like to have fun, like to laugh, and our contestants tend to be a really good time. They like laugh right along with us and have fun with it and praise be to god for being good sports and then of course we like to give out prizes which kind of makes it a winner for everybody involved so uh if you're new here and you don't know how this all works Well, the deal is I have three Catholic trivia questions in my hand, and the caller does not need to know the answers to these questions in order to win the game, which kind of makes it a winner for everybody involved, because I don't ask them, I ask Janelle, I ask Adrian, one of them will be right, the other will be wrong. The caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision, who do they trust more, Janelle or Adrian, and then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. What could they win, Janelle?
5: They can win a graphic T-shirt and a few stickers from Baratus Catholic. Thank you so much for underwriting this week's game show. They promote the good, the true, and the beautiful of our ever-ancient, ever-new Catholic Church. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank
4: you, Baratus. (laughs) Praise be to God. And for those of you who called and aren't able to get into the game today, call back tomorrow. We'd love to have you on the show. Call early. Phone number's on the website. Don't forget. All right. Let's go to uh, Joni and Daniel. Good morning to you. Thanks for being a part of our program.
0: Good morning,
4: good morning. He's singing "Good Morning." Amen. Good morning. Sing it, Daniel. Sing it. I love it. Praise be to God. Uh, our friends Joni and Daniel from San Antonio, Texas. Daniel, are you on your way to school or getting ready to? Or no, it's summer? He's
2: going to speech therapy, and he's working at Whataburger.
4: What?
3: <gasps> Pretty cool. You
4: work at the Whataburger. That is That's my amazing. favorite restaurant. Praise be to easily, God.
3: Easily my favorite restaurant. Yes. Yes. And also, I come into the studio often singing the same song. So you know, just saying. <laughs> Well, it's good to hear you guys back on the program. It's been a while since we've
4: had you on, so we're very excited about it. You guys know the deal, though. You are veterans. You know how a tricky uh, pop quiz, who's more tricky, Adrian or
3: Janelle? Adrian. <laughs> Ouch! Ouch! I, I thought I was—I thought I was super easy. I thought it was like e- easy peasy. Ouch! Truth hurts, but
4: uh, all I got to say to so that hard. is, Duh. of course, he's the most tricky. Of course. All right. Are you ready to play, Joni and Daniel? Yeah. All right. Yes. Very good. We will go to Janelle, as is our custom. Uh, Janelle, are you ready?
5: Uh, I think so. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
4: Um, I'm ready. Since you are an expert in the uh, the Reformation period of church history, <laughs> oh, I am. I think you will uh, you'll be able to get this Is that very a easily.
5: Uh,
4: okay, all right. <laughs> we'll, Janelle. See, we'll see. Janelle, yes. Can you tell me what Protestant theologian established a religious doctrine based on his Institutes of the Christian Religion? Which of the Protestant revolutionaries uh, wrote that?
5: Okay. Based on my expertise of the Protestant Reformation, I'm going to go with John Calvin. Mm
2: -hmm.
5: Yes.
4: Okay. Okay. Let's see what uh, Adrian Fonseca has to say here. Adrian, can you tell me what Protestant theologian established a religious doctrine based on his institutes of the Christian religion?
3: Yeah, that would be Martin Luther King Jr.
4: I'm, I'm sorry, one more time? Martin Luther King Jr. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh,
1: you got Daniel laughing.
4: <laughs> I, I don't know why. I mean, it's, it seems like a good guess to me. It could be. It's reasonable. It's possible. Uh, so Adrian is on the hook for, you said Martin Luther King Jr. Yes. And uh, Miss Janelle is on the hook for John Calvin. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Joni and Daniel, what say you? We thought this was a Catholic game show. No, Janelle. Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> Not a Protestant
3: game so. Duh. 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 The the Institutes of the Christian Religion Duh. is was essentially a Protestant catechism yes. uh, that John Calvin wrote, and it was the uh, it's actually the fundamentals of Reformed protestants uh quote air quotes over reformed protestants today yeah. and they go back to the institutes of christian religion
4: yes and uh, by the way john calvin had his own inquisition in geneva so, yeah, so he's a fun guy yeah he is not a fun guy at all many people are actually executed as a result uh john calvin we're learning something new today but well done joni and daniel you are in the coffee cup of divine providence you have made it in you could possibly win the gift prize from Beartooth. so praise be to god But let's see if we can't double or triple your chances today. We'll go with uh, Adrian on this next question. Adrian, can you tell me, when
3: is the Feast of Christ the King celebrated? Uh, Feast of Christ the King. Well, the Feast of Christ the King in the traditional calendar is the last Sunday of October. Okay. Okay. So that's your answer? That's my last answer. The last Sunday
4: in October. Let's see what Janelle has to say. Janelle, can you tell me... When is the feast of Christ the King celebrated?
5: Ooh, well, I'm feeling good. Um, Since uh, I'm feeling good, let's make this a second answer streak. I'm going to go with the second Sunday of September.
4: Hmm. Okay. So you're on the hook for second Sunday of September. Yes. And Adrian is on the hook for the last Sunday in October. Who's right? Who's wrong? Joni and Daniel. What say you? Adrian. 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 Survey says... Wow. wow. There you go. There you go. That was gutsy. I mean, to... to uh, kind of brave. To decide to go with Adrian is pretty brave and courageous, <laughs> wow. Daniel. Now, did you guys know that, or were you just guessing?
7: I love the Latin mass, but uh, I think also in Nova Sordo, isn't it like the last week of the church year or the yes. right yes. beginning of... Of
3: Advent, so, exactly. Yes. So this year, I think it's November twenty-first or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. Or it's definitely not September. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's definitely not in September. Later, yes.
4: Earlier, no. So well done. Praise be to God, Christ the King. Uh, celebrated in October, November-ish, depending on your uh, your mass. All right. right. Well done. You're you're in for two. Praise be to God, Daniel. You're doing great. You're doing great today. Last time, uh, last question could triple your chances and i gotta say i think this is the easiest question of all i don't know i think it is pretty sure it is let's see how let's see how it goes we're gonna go back to janelle okay janelle can you tell me who was the principal author of the book of psalms
5: that like that book has a bunch of authors does it yeah
4: i think you've been going Uh, to too many modernist theologians
5: Uh oh i'm gonna go with solomon Solomon? Yes, Solomon. Oh. Huh.
4: Okay, okay. Very wise guy.
5: Yes, uh, yes,
4: Let's see what Adrian has to say. Uh, Double Major Fonseca, can you
3: tell me, who is the principal author of the Book of Psalms? You know, that would be, to my recollection, King David, you know, hmm. the singer. Mm. <laughs> Did you say the singer? Yeah, you know, he was saying. The harpist? He, the harpist. He sang, <laughs> he wrote, he... Uh, Conquered, he, he came. Uh, he saw. He conquered. He ducked, man
4: of many talents. He ducked spears thrown at him. It's kind of oh, cool. Yeah. Kind of a cool guy. <laughs>
3: he danced. <laughs> oh, he yeah. danced. He did
4: dance. All right, this is going way off track here. Okay, <laughs> so here's the deal: Adrian is on the hook for King David as the principal author of the Book of Psalms. Versus Janelle is on the hook for King David's son Solomon is the principal author of the Book of Psalms. Who's right? Who's wrong? Joni and Daniel, what say you? Adrian Adrian
1: Adrian. Survey says Wow
4: Very good You guys did it Praise be to God Three in a row You're in for three God is so very good Yes in fact King David is a principal author And I think uh, Solomon is attributed With only the last few That's right
5: yeah. yeah. Last few. Well, according to Wikipedia, it says that. Wikipedia. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> it says it was composed oh, by did the you first man.
4: Just quote Wikipedia on Catholic
3: Drive uh, Time.
5: Not yet. I was about to. Oh. <laughs>
3: Wow! Yeah. Wow! Yeah. Most Didn't we read an
4: article just
3: yesterday about, about the co-founder li- yeah, of Wikipedia? That's true. That's says, true.
4: Wikipedia can't I be did trusted. read that one. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. The uh, the a lot of modernist theologians today will say that it was not written by David. It was written by a collection of people who apparently. we don't know who they right. are. The priestly and, source uh, and the Yahweh source. Yeah. That that's that's yeah. wacky.
4: You know, uh, Doctor Scott Hahn has an excellent <clears throat> resource on that subject. Uh, uh, on the, uh, uh, the the biblical criticism, it's massive. It's probably about three and a half inches thick. It's really, really good. If you want to go dive deep onto the subject of the sources of Scripture in the Old Testament, I would recommend that. But well, Joni and Daniel, three times in the cup, how do you feel? I get it. Yahoo! you looking forward to your speech therapy today, Daniel?
3: Y- yes. Praise be to God. My mom is a speech therapist. And, and, and so is my
4: sister. And uh, do you get free samples at work? Me. Yeah. You <laughs> gets a discount. <laughs> Yo, they only give you a discount on oh, all those guys. They're so cheap. Yummy. Know I mean? Yeah, praise be the guy. Well, Joni and Daniel, God bless both of you. Thank you for playing again. We love having you on. We're going to put you on hold. We're going to make sure we have your contact information. But God bless you. Have a great day. And thank you again for being a part of our program. God bless
1: you. God bless
4: you. Have a great day, Daniel. All right, that is going to do it for the radio side of Catholic Drive Time. Praise be to God. That was a lot of fun. If you can join us for the after show, uh, we would love to have you. You get to drive the conversation about whatever is on your heart, your mind. You can comment about our guest, Father Robert Mittag, or any of the subjects we brought up in the news, or just about anything else. All things are optional. Uh, We tend to uh, get a little bit of inside humor with the CDT insiders there. And, of course, we like to talk about pop culture and whatever else. But... Join us. You can hang out right online at grnonline.com forward slash cdt, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter as well. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you back tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern for Catholic Drive Time. Thank you for joining
2: us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on
4: your favorite Catholic radio station. Praise be to God. Welcome back and to the after show of Catholic Drive Time, where we get way more casual about our conversation. Uh, since we're not on the radio anymore, we just kind of take a deep breath and have a lot of fun with you. You get to drive the conversation. It could be serious. It could be fun. It, whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your mind, comment. Let us know where you're from. Let us know what's on your mind, what do you want to discuss. Uh, but if you're a new commenter here, and there are several, I think, yeah, that we can recognize uh we'd like to lavish some extra love on our brand new commenters first time commenters so we're we would be grateful if you've never commented before if you would chime in through the com box and let us know you're here and we can recognize you that way but let's go to a few of these uh people hanging out with us marina good morning to you uh praise be to god eric rodriguez good morning 93 good to see you my friend of course saint truce of avila and is in the studio with us hanging out good morning to you, anna
5: good morning
4: Praise be to God. Praise and, be to God. And then uh, Colin, good morning to you. It's good to see you. Old Time Freedom. Pretty sure you are a brand new commenter. Pretty sure. Yeah, amen. Hallelujah. Praise be to God, Old Time Freedom. Thank you for being a commenter today. I don't know where you're from, but if you're still listening, comment. Let us know we, what part of planet Earth are you from. We'd love to know. But he says, great points, Father Mateg. Yes, he was a great guest. I agree. Mike K., Good morning to you, Mike K. He's, uh, he's working. He's only half listening today, but we're very grateful he's listening all the same. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Let's see here. Uh, Tim from Brazil. Um, we, uh, welcome to the program, Tim from Brazil. Brand new commenter, I think. Praise be to God. Good to see you here. God bless you and God love you. We're very grateful for our first-time commenters. Thank you for doing it. Yes, I agree. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Jeff Burrier, good morning to you. He says, how was your birthday, Joe? Well, we don't talk about my birthday anyway. We talk about your birthday. I'm happy to do that. But my birthday, not so much. Um, Let's see, who else? On Facebook side, Patty was here, of course. Buddy, good morning to you, buddy. Uh, One of our regular friends of the show, Jesus Robles. I got to tell you, one thing it did. There was several things yesterday about the birthday that were great. My kids, me making cards and my daughter painting me uh, a beautiful image of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, which I'm hanging on my, on my studio at the house. Uh, but um, also, my friend Jesus Robles, friend of the show, brought me a relic of St. Uh, Vincent Fair. Ooh, and uh-huh. uh, so we got to spend some time with St. Vincent Fair yesterday. That was pretty amazing. Praise be to God for that. Uh, let's see. Elizabeth, good morning to you. And Maureen, good morning to you. Don. Good morning to you. Praise be to God. Good to see you guys here. Susan Weber. Lori, good morning to you. Lori's got a birthday coming up tomorrow. Gloria, uh, good to see you again. Praise be to God. Joaquin, thanks for chiming in again today. It's always good to have you on the program.
3: Nicola, good morning to you. Elizabeth from us. Kenya is watching, which is Kenya, super awesome. So, I think she might be the furthest person. Is that, that further, is further than Australia? I don't know. Depends I'm on the direction. Sure. It depends on which direction it, you go.
4: Yeah, which direction. Do you go east, do you go, east? go
3: west to get there? I think that matters. Whichever direction makes her the furthest, that's the one. <laughs> <Whichever> Congratulations, <laughs> Elizabeth.
4: makes her the furthest. Amen to that. Yeah, praise be to God. Good morning, uh, Leticia Ramirez on yeah. YouTube. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. Um,. What else is going on here? Praise be to God. So what's on your mind? What do you guys want to talk about today? What's, uh, what's, what's going down here? Uh, lots of new people. Yeah. We'd like to see the new the, new the homosexuals taking over the world? Um, that's, always, that's a common topic. We talk about it all the time. I'm <laughs> They're
5: body not canine. taking over. They're trying
4: to. Yeah. Um, mm, I don't know. Buddy, Buddy says, St. Thomas mentions that if a body part is bad for the body, it is cut off. Well, St. Paul um, talked about that. Or after our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the Gospel, if your right hand caused you sin, cut it off. Why does the church not follow this teaching when it comes to the cancer, of homosexuality? Well, uh, you know this. What do you mean by cut
3: it off? Um, <laughs> Stop! <laughs> what? Right. I, just, I was just asking. Well, it was a good show. God bless <laughs> you a great day. day. I, what? I was literally. I'm just. I'm asking, uh, buddy. What yeah. do you mean by cut off? Like the I guess that, she uh, wants, I when get get it comes rid down to it. it. Like, put, put a stop to it.
4: Like, what? Just why, get rid of it. Completely. Why are you reading into that more than you need to be? He doesn't mean and physically we're it to, And we're moving like, on. And we're moving on. Awkward. Well,
3: no, because like the St. Thomas talks about why we would, um, and uh, he talks about how we there's heretics, and heretics uh, can be burned at the stake. Why? Because they need to be cut off lest they do more damage to others. Because those who kill, if we put murderers to death, then how much more people who not murder just the body, but murder the soul in eternal damnation, how much more should they be? So what do you mean by, like, well, uh, what are you referring to specifically? The last time the church uh, did that,
4: they had state sponsorship in the process, because it, it judged and then handed them over to secular authorities, and secular authorities carried out judgment. That is not going to happen anymore. So those days are all mm-hmm. long gone. But uh, Monica Cortez, good morning to you. Um, but I think that the bigger question is... Um, why, like, yeah, like, why, why, it seems weird to a lot of lay folk to go, okay, you you see these intrinsic evils, you see these grave concerns, these sort of infiltration of certain uh, lobbyists within the church, and we do, we don't do, it seems like we're not doing anything. Why is that? I think that's a legitimate question. What, why don't, why do the bishops seem to take such a soft pastoral approach, so to speak? to things that we know are intrinsically bad for human persons. They're bad for the people who espouse them, they're bad for the people who who will be impressed by them, they will be bad for those that are suffering through the scandal. They're just bad all the way around, there's no upside to them. Why tolerate them at all? Why not, as uh, uh, Bishop Tobin said in his tweet today, (sighs) it might be better for them to not be in the church at all?
3: which I I'm not sure that was the best worded mm. tweet ever. But I think yeah, I going think if he just took out the word it's okay, it would have been fine. But the fact that he said it's okay is the only, is the thing I quibble with.
5: I think it's going towards the lukewarm analogy, how Christ would rather one be hot or cold rather than lukewarm. Um but yes, it's it is a problem. I think a lot of people um have disagree lots of disagreements on. It's like why isn't anyone doing anything? Um, so it seems but um, th- it is, there are some steps to doing it. Um, it's just
4: <laughs> it's a bit well, complicated. We but. asked Father Matej about, you know, well, at least I asked him about, well, you know, bishops say they want to be pastoral, but yet we never hear of them being pastoral. Yes. Now, he gave me an example of someone who did. Uh, Archbishop, I think it was Sample. Did he say Sample? I can't remember. I, uh, no, it was Sp- Uh It was when Kathleen Sibilius was uh, the the secretary of the, of Health and Human Services under Obama, and her bishop in Kansas uh, basically called her out and said, You know, because of your uh, defiance, uh, your public opinion, you aren't uh, welcome to communion. Um, so we do hear examples. Now, I want to say there was also an example out of New Jersey, might have been Tobin. This was a couple years ago uh, where, they, where he called, uh, tried to have a conversation with a local politician. And I don't know how that went. So, there are examples of it, but there's so few and so far between. And the people, the bishops who oppose, who are like, no, we can't have this conversation, no, we can't have this working document, no, we can't come up with a joint statement uh, on, uh, on, on the Holy Eucharist and communion, but do you ever hear of them having conversations with these politicians that are from their diocese, Nancy Pelosi, for instance? Do you ever hear of them having private conversations uh, with these, uh, these uh, ardent deniers of church teaching? Um, I, I don't know. I don't, I've never hear, heard of them. Maybe it's not my business, and I grant that. But at the same time, public scandal requires public reparation and uh, confession. So, because it's part of the problem, is not just that they've denied church teaching on, on the, in the dignity of the human person at conception. It's further than that, they cause public scandal. So, even though I don't have a right to know everything, the, the laity does have a right to know uh, that these bishops are taking the appropriate steps, conversating with them, trying to dialogue with them, educate and catechize them to bring them back into the fold, um, to uh, bring them into a right standing with, with Holy
3: Mother Church. And yeah. we never, almost never hear of that. Yeah, Cornelius Lapide talks about in his commentary – on Judge Not, that not only can we judge, but we must judge when it is a public scandal, when it is public sin. It's incredibly important to bring that up. Uh, Also, Buddy Kane said, yes, uh, this was in defense of death penalty. Uh, He said, at what point will we stand up? You pointed out that they want our children, in my mind, they are declaring war against all God-fearing people. I mean, they really are declaring war against God-fearing people, but how do we respond to that? That's a more difficult question because for instance, Joe mentioned how the uh typically you would the, the, all these kind of punishments that we we think of are in respect to a Catholic nation uh, because as individuals we cannot carry out justice in the way that the state can carry out justice we don 't have that authority um, and so we can 't declare war as individuals we can 't execute people as individuals we cannot uh, punish people that are not under our authority as individuals. So those are, it makes things a lot more complicated because we don't live in a Catholic society and almost every Catholic society that does exist it's pretty much not catholic anymore mm. so it's a it's a very difficult question that you're saying but yeah i mean they are declaring war on us i mean they said they very clearly talk about they are grooming they, they're grooming our children they say that we are uh, this is the grooming of the next generation um they said they're coming for your children it's quite obvious it's quite clear uh, and wh- what are people going to do are people going to respond take their kids out of the school system because there are things that we can do on an individual basis right now uh, but a lot of people are just going to be upset, are going to retweet something on Twitter, and then they're going to send their kids back to the public school system. They're going to send their kids back to the public camping system, uh, send them to Drag Queen Story Hours, that unbeknownst to them, and they're going to, and then they're going to be like 10 years down the road, why did my child leave the faith? It's, you know, we got we to gotta make radical choices now. We have to.
4: Radical choices. You know, uh, Colin says a lot of them are not living the true life of Christ. He says, I think that's one of the reasons they don't call it out. He says the other is money. And that's a good point, Colin. And it reminds me of the gospel today, as we commented during the show, um, that our Lord told his apostles not to take money. Do not take gold or silver or copper for your belts. Uh, Do not take a, uh, a sack for the journey or a second tunic or sandals, or walking stick. Take what you got, and go start preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, and as I said, when I went through the, the commentary on the gospel today, looking at St. Jerome, and, and St. Thomas Aquinas also commenting on it, but St. Jerome saying, you know, it's very good chance that our Lord gave them this, this requirement to not take money because of the temptations that Judas was facing, the temptations over money. Uh, let that sink in about our bishops today and how uh, we take money from, you know, from certain entities, federal and otherwise, because we want to bring about a good, a good in social justice and some of our programming or schools or, or what have you, and think about how that complicates things. How, think about how that compromises things. Taking the money uh, can compromise and tempt us, and we start to justify and rationalize these choices, and there's a principle that goes, the ends don't justify the means. You know, it's a good thing to to educate. It's a great thing to feed the homeless, to care for the infirmed, to visit the imprisoned. These are these are corporate works of mercy that we should be doing, must be doing. But in the order of priority, the salvation of souls, the conversion of sinners is the first priority. Mm-hmm. The others can be considered in some ways luxury items. They aren't equals. Uh, you have to prioritize. That's called life. There's no, there's no, there's no example uh, in the history and the, the experience of humankind that doesn't require us to prioritize. So first priority, salvation of souls, conversion of sinners, making the, the wilderness into the extended Garden of Eden. That is the job of the church. Secondly, now we can educate. Now we can clothe. Now we can feed and help the infirmed and visit the imprisoned. Now we can do those things because we did the first thing first. Mm -hmm. And when we take money from people who are unequally yoked to us, who don't share our our common um, morality, our ethics, our theology, well, we put ourselves in a compromising position because we like that money and we want to keep that money and because it does good things, right? Well, the problem is it comes with uh, strings attached, and we've even just look at look at how money flows from the federal government down to the state. Oh, you want my money? Oh, okay, you get my money so long as so long as you also accept uh, our policies in, in regards to education or our policies in regards to immigration or or what have you. Every administration does this. Republican or Democrat doesn't matter. Every administration has their strings attached, and the states. It, they either have to uh, abide by them or they don't get the federal money. And they always, always abide by them because they want the federal money. Mm-hmm. Well, the same is true in the Catholic Church. Same is true in the Catholic Church.
5: Someone wanted to ask, do you think that the fact that diocesan priests are not bound to the vow of poverty is a um, a contributing uh, factor to that?
3: Nah, I don't think so. Because uh, the vow of poverty for the uh, – so – Dawson priests technically don't take a vow of poverty, but it's implicit in the fact that they take vows to their local bishop, and under that vow uh, is poverty, chastity, and obedience This falls under there. Because they don't take poverty, chastity, they only take obedience to their bishop. Um, and under obedience to their bishop, they are chaste and, uh, and they live in a poverty style, though not in the do same they? way. Well, okay. <laughs> they, they should. But it's, uh, and it's the same thing. Like, you can get religious, like, I have know Franciscan communities that do take a vow of radical poverty and they live just like a regular secular priest. And by secular, I don't mean like a bad priest. Secular meaning that's living in the world. It's It's a technical term. Yeah. It's a technical term. Um, And the, um, and so like, I know Franciscans who, they technically make a vow of radical poverty, yet they live like a regular priest. Um, And then the same thing, like uh, Dominicans, for instance, they don't actually take vows of uh, poverty uh, in the same way. They take vows of obedience to our lady and to the prior and to the, uh, to the uh, master general of the order. And by doing that, Underneath the the obedience to Our Lady and under obedience to the Master Order, uh, Master General of the Order, you it's implicit that you are to be poverous and chaste and the like. Um, in fact, uh, and this side note, Dominicans were the first community to take vows of obedience directly to Our Lady. Uh, but that's not here nor there. So, no, I don't think it'll solve anything because people disobey their vows all the time. They're going to be like, well, I mean, technically I'm poverous because, you know, I'm only making X amount of money. You know, it's uh, it, it always becomes down to a technical term. And uh, I don't They don't, think it'll they solve don't pay mortgage. Right. Um, mm-hmm.
4: You know, there's a lot of stuff that they're not paying for. They get fed quite well. You know, I got... I got myself into a little bit of an awkward situation years and years ago where I was giving, I was brought to California to do a parish mission um, to, 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 to husbands and wives. And um, so I was doing this three-day mission at the parish and giving these talks, and I was staying at the rectory, which I felt kind of awkward, you know, but it was a way to keep the cost down of the trip, and I was happy to do it, but it felt a little weird being amongst uh, the priests there and not being one, but they lived really good. I mean, mm-hmm. the rectory food. was the re- it was the rectory was nicer than most hotels that I've stayed in, and I've stayed in a lot of hotels. I've traveled quite a bit, and it was so it was so posh, so nice. And then the refrigerator jam packed of food. I mean, they had a cook come in. I think it was two or three times a week. And they would make all these meals, and they would be available so that the priest in the house would have food to eat. Mm-hmm. And I, listen, I, they should eat, and I would love for them to eat well. I'm not – but I, I was – in one of the talks, I kind of – I was so, like, struck by the sort of living condition. I'm mm-hmm. like, you people treat your priests very well. They live very well here, mm-hmm. very well here. And I think it – I think the priest was a little uh, put off, you, you know, know embarrassed right. maybe. But, I mean, the parish – they really treat their 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 priests very well there, and that's true for a lot of parishes. It's also not true for many 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 more parishes. There are plenty of examples of parishes where the uh, the rectory is is very sparse, very low end, and the priests are living pretty much vows of
3: poverty. But here in America, there's a lot of examples of the opposite. Yeah, and you know, we know in America everyone is is uh, living better than 99 percent of the world. Uh, the poorest person in America is living. Better than most people in most other countries, but you know, the thing is, we so and when I was a novice with the Dominicans, and I know, mean no disrespect to the to the Dominicans, um, but we were reading through Saint Dominic's uh, rules and how the the lives of the brethren and the way that they lived and the requirements, the standards that were held, and one of the things was they had to re- they were required to live in these small cells. He gave dimensions; they couldn't be the the ceiling couldn't be higher than like. Six feet tall, and so if you're five foot ten, your heads are practically touching the ceiling. Um, and the uh, all these rules actually, I think it was shorter than six feet tall because people were short back then, so I think it was like five <laughs> foot something. Um, but it, it's like the they have these sh- very strict standards of what you're allowed to do, what you're allowed to eat, what you're not allowed to eat very strict standards, and uh, and it's kind of like, oh, that's so cool. Back, you know, back in the good old days, anyway, we're not doing that, that's not something we do. Uh, we, one of the other things was. He talked about how the uh, the friars should only uh, should only shower, I think like once a week, and they because uh, showering or bathing was a luxury. Um, and it's like, no, we were we were showering every single day. Um, they were like we had all these requirements for life and living and uh, these standards, and it's completely thrown out. No one mm-hmm. no one follows these anymore, and that's why you see resurgences of communities that are called like strict observance to the to the rule. Uh, So like the Carmelites in uh, Wisconsin, for instance, they are strict. Uh, adherence to the rule of, of Mount Carmel, uh, the Benedictines in Oklahoma, the Benedictines I think in New Mexico. I think uh, they're a very strict observance of the Benedictine life, of the Carmelite life, because it, it really it happens, and it happens often. You would uh, you'd be surprised. You see, there's been reformations that have happened uh, in, in in religious communities over and over again because there's a there's a tendency to become more and more lax, and it usually doesn't change until a saint comes in and demands change. So. You know, I got invited um, last year, I think it was, yeah, maybe the year before, I can't recall,
4: uh, to join or consider joining a uh, lay-organized, chivalrous uh, society. I'm struggling for the proper terminology, but essentially it's a group of uh, laymen. There might be some religious in there, too. Society of apostolic life? It's a little complicated, but at any rate, the the concept was to restore chivalry uh, amongst men. And uh, part of their requirements, when they sat down with me to, to tell me about it, what, part of the requirements was I, had to, I could only take cold showers. Uh, I had to exercise at least uh, daily. Um, there was a whole list of things that would have been pretty standard fare for uh, most religious communities, you know, a few centuries back. Uh, that have, like his point you just made, uh, that have sort of fallen on, the, on deaf ears now. And I found this fascinating to see that there was this group, a growing group of men across the United States who are like, <laughs> we want to bring back this, this idea of chivalry among men to stand up to, uh, to, the, uh, to the, the evils in our day, but it requires men to be disciplined. It requires men to sacrifice and to give up some of the comforts, the creature comforts of this life, even if they're lay folk, even if they're married men, you know, and like Bug Hall, for instance. Bug Hall, we interviewed Bug Hall three weeks ago. And uh, he's a former childhood actor. He was molested, unfortunately. Um, He has had a conversion experience. He's left Hollywood. He's he's built a farm, and he's taking vows of poverty for himself, not for his wife or his kids, but for himself. And he's writing a rule for the family to live by, as if they were a religious community. It's very fascinating. Uh, But it's not just. In other words, I bring this up to say, it's this isn't just for priests or bishops living posh lives. Every single layperson uh, should, um, should embrace this concept of, uh, because, other, because we've become too comfortable. We've really embraced this world and its comforts. And I, I make this point a lot when I give talks. At the heart, even among Catholics, we tend to, we, without even thinking about it, without even like really meditating upon what we really think or don't think, we have really embraced the world, and this world can be good enough for us. And what we really want is to transform the world into some sort of utopian vision rather than have the goal or intention of complete conversion of all sinners and, uh, and making the kingdom of God present here and now um, and bringing people into the beatific vision. And that means sacrifice and suffering. And I think a lot of, uh, a lot of families really haven't thought that through. They haven't really, you know, uh, materialized their thoughts and opinions on it to that degree. But it, I think it could be evidenced in the the decisions they make as families, you know, and even just in raising their kids and raising their kids to sort of embrace the world in sort of a, a sort of a materialistic kind of a way. And I think that uh, as families, we ought to reconsider and decide what are our goals. Making kids successful in the marketplace is not high on the list.
3: Amen. Amen. Yeah, we have a very different standards today than we should have uh jeff said uh please keep jonah dominic sienna and genevieve in your prayers absolutely jeff i will offer a rosary for them today Uh, but yes let's let's all pray for Jeff's family um let's see did i miss anything else it's hard to be in the world or not of the world says maureen absolutely it's very difficult we we love the uh the acceptance of others we love to be loved um that's why the litany of humility is incredible if you've never prayed the litany of humility i highly recommend um from the desire of being loved, uh, deliver us, Jesus. Uh, it's, such a, it's such a powerful prayer, if you ever read it, because you know it's a, we desire to be loved. It's natural yeah. for us as humans to want that. I just saw this picture that Janelle posted. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> so <laughs> funny. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> it's, uh, you ought to post it to the
4: comments, but uh, Ooh, it's I a wondered. picture of a, uh, a tall, but extremely narrow door that goes to the dining hall at a monastery in Portugal. And there's a gentleman standing in this doorway who's obviously wider than the door, and uh, the, can't go eat. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess if you're too wide to get through the door, you don't get to go eat, <laughs> nope. which means you're going to embrace fasting in your mm-hmm. life. <laughs>
6: mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> At least if you're a part of that monastery, that's kind of hilarious. Yeah, very practical too. Similar to uh, now, Adrian's been there. I've never been there to Jerusalem. And the go, you, the door to the Holy Sepulchre?
3: That's a little bit different. It's short? You're thinking of the uh, the door to Bethlehem, to the Nativity. Is it Bethlehem? The Nativity? The the nativity? Oh, okay. The Church of the Nativity.
4: And, it, and it's, sm- it's like really short. You have to duck to get in.
3: Yeah, the reason because for of humility. that, it's, the, it's called the Humility Door. But the actual reason why, it got the Humility name later. The reason why was they used to have a humongous arch uh, that was a massive door, but they ended up. You can actually see if you go where it was bricked up over and over again. It was bricked up, I think, three times because the uh, Muslims would ride in on Calvary and start slaughtering Catholics in during mass. And so they short, they shrunk it down so Calvary, so horses couldn't fit in through the doorway. And so, but then they started marching in uh, by individuals and started slaughtering them. And so they shortened it again, so like literally only one person at a time. They have to like bend down crouch over and crawl in basically. You don't have to crawl in. It's not that short, but you have to bend down and, and go in that way. And so that way the uh, the Catholics had time. If they knew people were coming in, they could escape um, and they could defend themselves versus them all just storming in. So that's actually why it happened. And it got the name The Humility Door later, because you had to uh, humble yourself. You had to literally uh, crouch down and crawl in practically, and especially if you're a big person. We had a couple of tall people that, that were there and they had to almost actually crawl on the floor. <laughs> I get in. So <laughs> absolutely. Wow. Well, I guess if you're going to go to the spot where uh, God took upon flesh
4: and dwelt among man, humility is a good humility good is probably a good thing to start with. Anyway, praise
3: be to God someday, if it be God's will, I would like to see the Holy land. Um, Lori said, if the government takes away the tax exempt status, they will have to do so for all denominations. Correct. Uh, not necessarily. They could argue, you know, the Catholic church, like the other ones, they're not being bigots. So they don't have to. They we won't take away theirs, but the Catholic Church are their bigots, and we don't accept them their ideas. So they we are stripping of them of their uh, of their tax status. So it's not not necessarily true that they will take away all denominations uh, if they do that.
4: Yeah, they're definitely picking and choosing anyway already. Mm-hmm. So wouldn't surprise me. Now I've heard arguments. Uh, from Catholics, you know that was a bigger conversation a few years back, but I think during the Obama administration, we would hear that conversation come up quite a bit on social media um, about giving up the tax exempt status and i 've heard Catholics uh, on both sides of the conversation talk about the irreparable harm that would be done to uh, to the church if it did give up its tax exempt status and Of course, the opposites are the argument that says we shouldn 't have uh, we shouldn 't be beholden to uh, to, to uh, the federal government. It's an interesting conversation for sure. But I do believe that giving up the tax uh, exempt status, you're going to see some things change overnight. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of things that would change and some of it is not going to be fun and comfortable. That doesn't mean you still shouldn't do it. I'm just saying the reality is giving up the tax exempt status is probably going to result in the closure of many churches or schools uh, and the shrinking back of dioceses. And there can be upsides in that, too. But it, it like, any, like every, th- every good thing, there's a painful process that gets to that good thing. And I really believe that would be painful, very painful for many people. But I just keep going back to what I was talking to Father Matej about, and that is I still just ha- – I have struggled to wrap my head around why, why do uh, Catholics who are so ardent against church teaching, why do they insist on remaining Catholic? Yep. When they can just have everything they want by going and being an episcopalian Across or the street. or whatever, you know, um there's a lot of, like universalists, right? They they could literally get all their their wish list non-denominational.
3: non-denominational. Non-denominational. Do whatever you want.
4: Do whatever you want. And yet they they insist on keeping that
3: title, that identity as Catholic. I loved his answer though. Like the idea they the the pride and arrogance of wanting the church to bend uh, to kneel to them. It Sounds uh, a lot like uh, what's his name? Um, um, um. Oh yeah, Satan. Remember uh, that guy? N- I've never heard of him. Uh,
4: never, never. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get, look behind you, buddy. Oh dang! He's the he's the guy Ooh. down uh, he's with that, the uh, spear crushed. to his, his throat. Amen. Yeah. And anyway, <laughs> praise be to God.
2: Has anybody ever asked somebody why have you not left the church if you do not believe what the church
1: teaches? Or shown them
4: the door because excommunication has benefits it wakes us up it stirs the soul and gets us thinking about oh we want to repent we want to reconcile and come back to the church so punishment time out however you wish to call it has uh, has benefits that the church needs to embrace that power that opportunity because many souls may be saved as a result who knows all right, that's going to do it for today's program. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We're very grateful to you. Make sure you hit that share button. Really trying to grow our CDT YouTube channel in particular, and boy, is it an uphill battle. Let me tell you, they don't. The algorithm does not make that easy. So we're putting out new content every day on the CDT channel. Make sure you subscribe, like, and share there. God love you. God bless you. We'll Thank see you
7: tomorrow. You for joining us. On-